Welcome to the Slay Sisters podcast. We are so excited you are here. So get ready for some inspiration, some no holds barred talk. Remember that this is unfiltered. So if profanity bothers you, sorry, sister, this is not the podcast for you. However, if you are not easily offended, please go ahead and listen. I'm sure there's a message in here for you. Happy listening. Okay, so I am so excited to be doing this podcast along my girl, Dylan Stairs, and I cannot wait for you guys all to just hear her heart, hear her story, and she is our first guest speaker on the Slay Sister podcast. It's like a monumentous occasion to have her here, and the reason I asked Dylan to come on and share her story is I feel that her story is going to speak to so many women with no um, limitations on what season of life that you're in. I think that she's going to be talking about owning who you are, embracing your change, right? And then also the love for therapy, which I think is great. But I also gave Dylan free reign. So you heard the intro. This is going to be unfiltered and I don't want Dylan to unfilter herself. Right, girl? Right. Right. <laughs> So I'm super, super excited for you to share. So why don't you tell all the Slay Sisters a bit about you? All right. Well, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Um, a little bit about who I am. I'm 26 years old, recently married. So hearing you say stairs was just like, I was expecting you to say my maiden name, Swearingen, like Dylan Swearingen. And then when you said stairs, I was like, wait a second. Oh yeah, that's me. Um, so newly married, still getting used to all of that. Um, I currently am in Asheville, North Carolina. I moved down here, what was it, about five and a half years ago to get sober, which is a big part of my story. But I'm originally from this teeny tiny little town in Vermont. Um, a lot of people don't know it. It's called Ripton, Ripton, Vermont. I think the population is like 600. So <laughs> there wasn't a whole lot going, going on in my little mountain town. I'm a, I'm a dog mom. My little pup is about to be a year old tomorrow. So for the past year, I've been, I've kept this puppy alive, which I was talking to my husband about. I was like, I've kept this dog alive for a whole year. I'm so stoked. <laughs> um, but other than that, just living in the mountains of Asheville, North Carolina, I'm excited to kind of share my story and, you know, share some of the, the points that Susanna had talked about. So yeah. So where would you like to start? Like, where would you just like to dig in? Owning, owning who you are. I guess I'll just like, let's, let's just tell you a little bit about myself and a little bit about my journey. So like Susanna said, unfiltered. So I'm just going to like lay it all out on the line. Um, so I'm an addict, a uh, recovering addict, but I still think of myself as an addict because I still have so many addictions and so many other things besides just drugs and alcohol. I think, I think there's a little bit of an addiction inside of all of us, whether it's an addiction to shopping or fitness or, you know, sex, love, you know, all of that stuff. So, um, but my addiction started shortly after, um, it really took off shortly after my parents got divorced when I was 17. It was a really fragile age. It was like, I'm still kind of a kid, but now I have to be this adult and deal with all of these like adult things. And it was just like way too much for me to handle. So I kind of self-medicated myself the only way I knew how, and that was with drugs and alcohol. Um, and that's kind of when it started to tailspin off. And I spent four years in a serious, heavy addiction of alcohol, pills, 
heroin, crack, cocaine, anything you can think of, I did. And it was a really scary time for me because um, I didn't know who I was. Like I, I lost myself. I was, you know, what's, it was like, I was walking through life, but I wasn't really like living it. My day consisted of getting up, getting the, getting the first thing I could into my body to like help me make it through the day because like I couldn't make it through the day sober. And that was like, looking back on it now, that was a really scary feeling of like, I was so dependent on substances to help get me through my day, not only mentally, but like physically, like if I didn't have certain things, I was sick. And any addicts out there can understand like you would rather die than have to go through those like withdrawals because it was so painful. Um, and so it just got to a certain point where it, it, it was actually Thanksgiving of 2013. I got pulled over. Um, <laughs> the cop searched my car and it scared the shit out of me. And um, he was pretty much just like, you know, I have enough. Um, I have enough stuff to basically like arrest you and take you to jail and you need to get your life together. And after that, I went into detox and rehab. I was 21 years old and, um, that's kind of where my journey started in sobriety. Um, I went to rehab, I got out, I relapsed. My parents are like, this is, this is not working. Like you need to go somewhere. Like you need more help. And that's kind of how I ended up in Asheville. My mom and my grandma, you know, got, got into cahoots together and found the sober living in Asheville. And they're like, would you be willing to go? And I was like, send me anywhere. Like I need, I need a fresh start. I need a new start. Um, so that's kind of how I ended up in Asheville. And ever since I've gotten sober, I have been open about it. I'm an open book. You know, anyone can ask me anything. I, I want to share my story because I found by sharing my story, it's helped so many other people. I have had so many people come forward, be like, I'm struggling. I need help. What do I do? What did you do? And I feel like, I feel so grateful that people feel comfortable enough to come to me and ask me for help. People that I've never even met before, you know, that get a hold of me on social media, Instagram, Facebook, they're like, what do I do? And, um, I wish there was a quick fix for, for everyone that there's just like one thing that can help someone just get sober and live this amazing life. But when you really, when everything really boils down, I spent years and years getting to the state, getting to where I'm at, living in sober living for a year and a half, doing intensive outpatient five days a week for nine to 10 months. Like there was a lot of work that went into this. And when I tell people that, I think it kind of like, it kind of scares people like, wait, there's not a quick fix mm -hmm. because I think in life, a lot of people are looking for this quick fix and that's just not, not how it is. And, um, so ever since I've gotten sober, I've owned that that is a big part of my story. You know, like that is a question that I had for you actually, as I'm listening to you talk, yeah, that the, um, for owning who you are because you went through what I'm hearing you say is like you went through a period of your addiction was basically your identity. Mm -hmm, totally. Because, and I don't, did you know who you were underneath those layers of addiction? I had no idea. I had no idea. Like once you took the drugs and alcohol away, I didn't know who I was. What did I enjoy doing? You know, because my like from probably 14 was when I started to experiment from 14 to 21 I did drugs you know that's that's all I knew like how was I supposed to have fun sober what did I enjoy doing sober it it was my identity and I had no idea who I was I was I describe it a lot of times as like I was a zombie 
Like I was there, but I wasn't really there. Like I remember sitting there on Thanksgiving, having dinner with my dad, my brother, and my grandfather. Um, I had smoked my last little bit of heroin and I was sitting at the dinner, sitting at the dinner table, just like they were talking to me and I couldn't even like respond. I was just like, so out of it. And that's something that I keep like in my heart when I start to like struggle because I think about drugs every single day. I think about drugs and alcohol every day. And this is a battle I'm going to be fighting the rest of my life. And, you know, I, I keep that near and dear to my heart. Like I, I was so lost for so long and I, to be honest, I still don't fully know who I am and that's okay. I think like through this journey and through my life, every single day, I'm going to find out something new about myself. So I can't sit here and be like, I am Dylan. This is who I am because I don't know yet. You know, it's, I absolutely love that you just said that because you yeah. actually got in front of the next question that I was going to have and which, which was, do you feel like um, you are actually in like the building stages, almost like, um, like you're 14 all over again and kind of get, you get to build who you are, like totally. a block system. Totally. So even owning who you are is almost like discovering who you are. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I say this all the time. It's like, like I just said, like, um, I am now, now that you take like the drugs and alcohol out of the equation, you know, it's like, I have to, I, I hate to think of it as like starting all over again, but it kind of is, you know, you're taking everything away. So it's like, okay, so now I get to like do, do all these things and have all these experiences and find out what I like and what I don't like, what I believe in, what I don't believe in my morals and all that, because they were so skewed by like the drug induced haze that I was in. So like every day, like I'm finding out like a little bit more about myself. Like I'm a girly girl, I'll admit it. Like I wish that I could sit here and be like, I'm a tomboy. I like to be like rough and tumble. No, I like to get my nails done. I like to do my hair. Like I'm a girly girl and that's okay. Um, when I first got sober, I tried to like be this like chameleon, if that makes sense. Like I tried to like fit in with these different groups of people and be like, Oh, I can be like them. That's who I am. Or I can be like them. That's who I am. And it probably wasn't until like a year or two ago where I was just like, no, fuck that. Like I'm done trying to like fit into this mold of something that I'm not, I'm going to be who I am. Like on my days off, like I like to just chill and watch Netflix and that's okay. Like, I don't need to say like, I like, I like to, you know, knit and like garden and do, no, I like to just sit on my ass and watch Netflix and just like take a break and that's okay, you know? And I think that that's so great what you're saying about like just owning who you are. But also I think that this is actually a really good segue into embracing change because mm -hmm. Having going through recovery, like you said, you're always going to be in recovery. And we are, mm -hmm. I love what you said too about going back. So if anybody's taking notes on that, go back to like, we're all addicts in some respect. Because mm -hmm. girl, like that is so incredibly true. I think like I'm addicted to change, <laughs> honestly. Mm -hmm. Like I'm always like, a, I'm addicted to something. Like what's the next thing? Yeah. So, embracing the change because as an addict change can be hard it was really it could probably really be a trigger right yeah totally and um it's it's still hard for me I was talking about it with my boss the other night I work I'm a bartender which is kind of funny you know people people are like wait you're a bartender and you're sober I'm like yeah and it's awesome you know um it's great but I was talking with my boss about it the other day 
I'm still not used to the fact that, you know, like a lot of my coworkers get off and they sit and they have a beer together and I would have no problem sitting with them and, you know, like hanging out with them. But then at a certain point, they're two, three beers in and things start to change a little bit. And I, I'm still, I don't want to say I'm not okay with it, but it's just like, it's awkward for me. Like I'm not on the same level of them as them. Like I, I don't get the, maybe the funny jokes if they're like a little buzzed, you know, it's like, it's, I'm still experiencing like all this change. Um, and it sucks for me, honestly. Like when I first got sober, this change sucked. I was like, what the hell am I supposed to do now? You know, living in a sober house, it was like, well, you know, like if I couldn't sleep, I would usually smoke pot, but I can't do that now. So what the fuck am I supposed to do? You know, like that kind of change. Um, and I had a lot of change happen at once. You know, I got sober, I moved to a new city. I didn't have any friends. You know, I didn't know anyone. I had family maybe about two hours away, but it was like, it was fucking scary. And I didn't know what to do. And I didn't, I didn't have anyone I could turn to that really knew what I was going through because my friends are not addicts. You know, I only used with one specific person that was my ex-boyfriend and I'm not in contact with him anymore, you know? And so it was like, I was sitting in this new city with all of these things happening and it was scary. So change is scary and it's still scary for me. You know, like even getting married, I love my husband. I love him. But knowing that like I was moving on to a new phase of my life, I got freaked out. I was like, holy shit, like my life is about to change forever in the best way possible, but it was still scary. Um, but I've always heard something. My sponsor says, you know, change is necessary for growth. And if you're not growing, you're staying stagnant. And like when you're stagnant in life, you don't, you don't reap the benefits that life has to offer because you're going to go through changes, whether they're good, whether they're bad. And you just kind of have to like, you know, buckle up <laughs> and just roll with the punches. Um, I got to a certain point in my recovery. Uh, they speak about NAA, not to preach too much on it, but they speak about finding a higher power um, of your, of your choosing. Um, and so when life gets hard and it's overwhelming, I just kind of let go. I'm like, you know what? I'm not in control. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. I do that all the time. And honestly, everything works out. Everything works out exactly the way it's supposed to, whether I like it or not. So it's, it's out of my hands, really. That is actually really cool. So let me share something with you and whoever is listening to. It's like when, um, when things get tough and we go, oh, like, you know, whatever your higher power is, whatever it is that you believe in, you know, you go like, how is this supposed to happen? Show me the way, show me the way. And I love this quote. It says the teacher is always quiet during the test. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So like you're actually supposed to just do the test. And then at the end, whatever is the outcome is how it's supposed to be. So totally. I, was I was like, yeah, that's what you're well, talking about. I just like, I had to, I got to a certain point where I kept trying to control every situation yeah. and it just kept backfiring. And finally I was just like, okay, I'm, I'm putting my hands up. I'm done. Universe, do what you're going to do. You know, my higher power. Um, a lot of people believe in God. Um, I never grew up in a religious household. So my higher power that I believe in, um, you know, my grandparents that passed away. They were people I knew, people I could touch, people I loved. And so whenever I'm having a hard time, I pray to them or reach out to them. Or if I see little signs, I'm like, okay, I hear you, you know, thank you. And uh, that's kind of the cool thing is like, 
there is not one thing to believe in. You know, there's, you can believe in whatever you want to believe in. And that's something that I really clung to when I first got sober, because it was hard for me to pray to God or talk to God. Um, because I just, I didn't grow up believing in God. So I, I really clung to, you know, my grandparents, like they, they have gotten me through some really hard times, even though they're not, you know, here anymore. Well, that is powerful. And it's something that, you know, so many people, I know that we, there's so many different belief systems out there. And, you know, I say each to their own, you know, like totally. do, do what's actually going to like, maybe sometimes it's just whatever's going to get you through the day. And sometimes the that's all that you can do, right? Totally. Totally. Whatever. A little bit about, um, you know, therapy, because I'm a big advocate. Maybe a lot of people don't know this, but I, I'm a huge advocate of therapy. I've been in therapy ever since I was eight years old. Um, I absolutely love it. I think everybody should be in therapy. You don't have to have like, you know, like Dylan's talking about, you don't have to be, you know, in recovery or have a big trauma in your life. I truly feel everybody needs somebody to, or something to talk to. So talk to me a little bit about your love that you have for therapy. I love it. Speaking, I'm actually going to see my therapist tomorrow. I love her. I love her. When I, when all of this kind of first happened with my family, um, with the divorce, I had everyone come, maybe you need to go into therapy. Maybe you need to go into therapy. Maybe you need to go into therapy. I was like, fuck that. I can do this on my own. I can deal with my own emotions. And what that really boiled down to was I could not, I did, I was not equipped to handle you know, all of the things that were coming at me. And when I did, I did sit down with a therapist one time and she said one thing that I didn't like. And I was like, done, not going back. Like, fuck that. Um, and then after getting sober, I went to an intensive outpatient. Um, I'm going to call them out Willow Place in Asheville, North Carolina. They, they saved my life. And I say that all the time. Um, them out. They saved your life. Sure. Yes. They saved my life a hundred percent. And, um, there was this one therapist there. I wasn't really clicking with her. It was weird. It was like, I didn't get that connection. She ended up leaving and a new therapist came in and she pushed my buttons the first day she got there. I remember si I was sitting in a class with her and she was like, if you can't admit that you were a junkie at one point, you're never going to heal. And I was like, fuck that. And fuck you. Like I refuse. I refuse. And uh, she came to me after the class and she's like, I want to work with you. Would you be willing to work with me? And something just clicked. And I was like, okay, sure. I've been working with her for five years and I couldn't imagine working with anyone else. I love, love her. Um, she pushes my buttons. She calls me out. She tests me. She tells me the shit I don't want to hear, but I need to hear. And I think that's important in finding someone that you click with in therapy. Cause if you don't click with them, if you're not like, if they're not testing you and pushing you, it's not going to work. And I think there's like this big stigma around therapy. Like, if you need therapy, you're weak. And I don't think that, I think the strongest men and women are in therapy. You know, it's like, they're willing to, they're willing to admit, I, I don't know how to handle this problem. I don't know how to handle the emotions inside me. So I'm going to ask for help. And I think a lot of people think like asking for help is weak and it's not, you know, it's like one of the strongest, most powerful things you can do. And, um, I, I wrote some bullet points because I really want to share this. Hear it. Um, by going into therapy, you are not weak. You are not a failure. You are brave. You are loved and you care about yourself. Those are the, like, those are the huge things that I feel about therapy. Like really like you are not weak for going into therapy. You're 
it's, I, I wish that I could give everyone the gift of therapy, you know, cause it's just, it's changed my life, you know, along with, you know, working the 12 steps and going to meetings and stuff like therapy has saved me. My, my therapist has saved, like, there's nothing that I could possibly do to like repay her for everything that she's given me. Like, I just, I adore her. She's amazing. I think I personally, here are my thoughts. See if you agree, Dylan. But um, we, the, the term self-care gets thrown around a lot mm -hmm. and, um, you know, self-care, I think people think, yeah, it's getting my nails done and my hair done and sitting in a bath. And I think that your most ultimate form of self-care is how you take care of your mind and totally. take care of what you're saying to yourself. And, and if, and going to therapy is probably one of the best forms of self-care. So I know as women, we talk about self-care a lot and I'm like, Girl, get yourself into into therapy because yes. to you, there's because your friends can't do that for you. Your partner mm -hmm. can't do that for you, nor should they. No, and the only reason I was able, I truly believe this, is through the through the work of therapy, I was able to learn to love myself, and I was able to like understand who I was, kind of as a person. And once that happened, once the healing started, that's when Alex came into my life. And he was healed. He had done his own form of therapy and together we came together and I've always had this thing of like, I want to save a man. I want to be the one who saved him. Like, fuck that. Like you cannot save anyone. And he was already healed. I don't want to say he was fixed, but like he had his shit together. I had my shit together. And I think that's why we came together at the perfect time. And you know, my, my entire family has been in therapy for the past nine years and we're not perfect. We're still pretty dysfunctional, you know, but all families are, but all of us are able, have been able to move forward and move past this divorce. Cause this divorce rocked us. It was, it, it was gnarly. It was really, really hard for all of us. And you know, my brother was 11, I was 17. We were both still just kids and we didn't know what the fuck to do. My brother went into therapy right at 11. He's had his own journey, but he is one of the coolest, most level-headed kids I've ever met. He's 19. Like, he's so mature. And it was like through the help of therapy. My mom still goes to therapy every day. My dad was going to therapy with my mom and my brother. It's just like, I love therapy. And there's a lot of people that think therapy is too expensive. I can't afford it. I don't have insurance. I promise you there are therapists out there that work sliding scale. That, will that is absolutely true. So like, if you haven't done it yet, um, and like Dylan said, and I think it's so important to remember is like, even if you go and you have like, maybe that person wasn't the right fit for you, just don't, don't give up because it's like anything. If you go to a general practitioner or doctor and that they're not your cup of tea or a dentist, you still find another dentist, you know? So shop around and find the fit that's right for you because this is like so such a huge part of Dylan's story. It's kind of why I was excited that she was going to talk about her love for therapy because as she's talking about like revealing these layers and getting down to discovering who you are, sister, like you have now a guide to help you through that, which so many women have never had. And so that, that, that is really cool. So what would you like to tell? somebody who is stumbling upon this podcast and about stepping into your light and your voice and your power, what would you like to leave them with today? I think it's just like, lo like loving every single thing about yourself. 
um, like the good stuff, the bad stuff, just owning it. Just the more you can own it and be like, you know what? I am a human being with flaws. I don't love everything about myself, but I'm going to try to just like, that's been like the biggest self-discovery is just loving myself, you know, at, at any weight, at any stage. It's just like, love yourself because you're the only one you've got, you know, you've only got this one life. So. I love that. I love that. And I'm a big advocate for, you know, and when you fall in love with yourself, it, there is like, there is like this power that radiates from inside to outside. And that's kind of the mission for the Slay Sisters podcast is we want you to hear all of these different stories and, and maybe hopefully this is going to mean to be touching somebody. I know it's going to touch more than one person. But I, I just know that you are going to reach somebody that maybe is actually where you used to be. Yeah, like, so. and I'm here. You know, reach out anytime. Anyone who's listening, I'm, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Add me. Message me. I'm, I'm here for you. You know, we're all in this together. Oh, girl, I am so incredibly <laughs> grateful that you did this. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh my goodness. What an amazing, amazing podcast. I feel like we were just scratching the surface of Dylan's story. So hopefully you go check her out. She is on Facebook. So you want to check out Dylan that is spelled D-Y-L-A-N-N stairs as in stairs. It takes stairs. And she is also on Instagram as well. So you can find her on Instagram and also on Facebook if you want to just follow along with her story. There's so much that she is able to teach other women. And like I said, it doesn't depend on what season of life that you are in. I think that there are so many takeaways with Dylan's story that can relate to so many people. So hopefully you have a takeaway of your own and I would love it, love it, love it if you shared, gave a review, gave some feedback on this podcast. So we will bring you more guest speakers on more topics here coming really soon. So slay your day, sister. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, subscribing is caring. So please subscribe to the Slay Sisters podcast so you do not miss any more episodes. Have a great day.